pain. Every person knows what pain is. In fact, every person on the planet has been wounded by pain at some point in their life. For some, pain is a feeling. For others, it's decades of emotional frustration revealed to the world in ways of bitterness, anxiousness, pride, addictions, jealousy. But all of these are merely just symptoms of a bigger problem. The problem is a heart that's been broken. And it's in the state of brokenness that pain begins to take root. Pain that's pounded deep into our hearts, causing us to form beliefs that were never meant to be there. In fact, we end up protecting our pain. We keep it captive and sometimes fail to realize that the very thing we're trying to avoid has become our very identity, broken. Jesus said he came to bind and heal the brokenhearted. What that means to us is that it's possible to live with a whole heart. It's possible to live knit together. It's possible to live in a place where our beliefs are centered and wrapped around the healer. coming and being a part of our service this morning again Memorial Day weekend and know that it's the traditional start of summer we're glad that you're here today we're glad that you've taken the time to be with us today and we trust that the Spirit of God is going to teach you and lead you and guide you and that Pastor Brian is going to say something that's going to be helpful to you this morning and we believe that it's all because of the Holy Spirit amen Praise God and so uh, I mentioned earlier that we've begun a series or ending a series actually this morning uh, uh, that we've been on for the last couple of weeks called Transplant, and uh, that particular series we began three weeks ago or four weeks ago now, and if you've missed any of it, you can go to greatjoy.org and uh, listen to these other parts. I, I would highly recommend, uh, if you've only got about a half hour, listen to last week's message. I, I just feel like it was, again, something that was so elementary to so many people, and, and I think that it really, I know that it ministered to a lot of people, at least from, from comments that I heard. And, you know, as we were finishing this song talking about having more of God and, and, and the, the, the phrase that we began with is singing together as a congregation, come and heal my heart, every part. We expose it to God. And, and I know that I'm just kind of jumping into things this morning, but I, I just, my heart for you this morning is to have a, a, a whole heart not a broken heart. And I know that, in fact, let's read this. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There are times in our life that we are oppressed because we have a broken heart. There are times in our life that we are captive because we have a broken heart. And I know that when I say the words broken heart, many of us just sort of think of, of being broken hearted as, as because something happened in our life. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's something that happened a long time ago or something that you're dealing with right now. But we think of it as a deep and intense emotional response to something that's happened in our life. And certainly being brokenhearted is that. But I think that when the Bible talks about Jesus coming to heal our broken hearts, that he's talking about something just a little bit different. And the way that I've been able to reconcile some of this in my own thinking is simply by this. 
the idea of being brokenhearted or brokenness of heart, it's, it is an emotional response, but it's more than just a feeling. It is a feeling that is tied to a believing. I believe something, and because I believe something, it produces a feeling in me. And when I'm brokenhearted, I am believing in a broken way, or I'm believing something that is broken. Uh, there's something broken in my believing that produces a feeling that I then respond to. Remember that our beliefs, they govern what you think and say and do. Now, I, I, I've used some of these examples, and I don't want you to think that my parents were really, really awful parents, because if they were really awful parents, they would have never have been able to raise a person as awesome as I have turned out to be. All right, so, amen. And, and so my parents were good parents. They, they loved me and they provided, they did, they spanked me when I needed it. And I know that some of you, that's just like awful to hear, but you know, maybe you don't, don't, maybe your kids don't need to be spanked or whatever. But I mean, I grew up in a day that spanking was expected from parents and the neighbors. <laughs> I mean, my, my, the neighborhood moms, man, they had permission to spank their other kids kind of a thing, their other kids. And so anyway, I grew up in that day. So that's another reason I turned out so well. But anyway, my mom grew up in the late 30s, uh, late 20s, I'm sorry, late 20s, mid 30s, that kind of a thing. And, and that was sort of during the, the depression. And um, she was raised in that environment, and that environment that she was raised in affected her every day of her life. She, I didn't know it until I was older, but, but the thing that dominated what she thought, what she said, and what she did was a fear that she would not have enough because that was her experience growing up. Her experience growing up was that they didn't have enough, that they had to pinch every penny, they had to squeeze every eagle until it screamed. I mean, they had to take care, uh, they had to make sure, I mean, I mean, you know, my mom saved stuff, and my mom just, I mean, got the very last out of everything. I mean, literally tipping the bottle upside down, making sure that the very last little bit came out of the bottle. And, and that fear or that thought that I won't have enough dominated every part of her life. No matter how much money she had, no, much, no matter how much money my dad made, it was never good enough. It was never enough. And so my dad labored under, we don't have enough. You're not a good provider. My family, you got to be careful. We, you can't have this. You can't do that because we may not have enough. Even when she had a lot of money in the bank, she still was dominated by the feeling that we don't have enough. So a broken heart is a believing or a feeling that is produced by something that you believe. And just like these nails on this board that provide the outline for the heart. Remember, in the, in the book of Romans chapter 10, Paul the apostle said, For with the heart man believes. What you believe is incubated down in your heart. Right? What you believe is incubated, incubated down in your heart. And so your believing begins to create the border of your heart or the border of your life. It's the boundaries of your life. And so for my mother, there was a boundary in her life that said, I don't have enough. I will not have enough. And so here's the debilitating critic that lived on the throne of her life that she responded to. As we mentioned last week, talking about that and earlier in this service, the, 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 the resulting critic of her life declared to her and said over her, you won't have enough 
You'll always live in lack. You will never measure up. And it governed her life. Even when she heard the truth of the word of God that said, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And when she would pray and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That was another frame of reference that was trying to produce belief in her heart or believing on the inside of her. And so then she, was, she, she had to go and bounce. And we all do this. Had to bounce between the two thoughts, the two believings. Because I've experienced lack in my life, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough, but I'm presented with the truth of God's word that says that God will supply every need that I have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that battle for the control of her heart dominated her life. That's the reason that Proverbs 4.23 says that we need to keep our hearts with all diligence. We need to guard it. We need to protect it. We need to watch over it. And, 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 and unfortunately, when we guard our hearts, we're, a lot of times we're guarding it because of the pain that we've experienced. We're, we're covering. We're, we're building fig leaves of religion. We're building fig leaves of our life and experience and, and things that we're trying to control everything around us so that we don't have to expose the pain and hurt of our heart. And so he says, be diligent about this. Guard your heart because out of your heart flow the issues of life. The New International says, because everything that you do flows from your heart. It flows because of what you believe and what you believe governs what you think and what you say and what you do and there are a lot of people that that all of us to some extent have this debilitating self-critic on the throne of our life that tries to decree over our life that you're not worthy that you're not good enough that that because of the abuse that you that you had in the past or because of the divorce that your parents went through or because of the alcohol because of the drugs because of this because of that you don't measure up and we spend our life trying to cover we spend our life trying to hide we spend our life trying to control things around us so that nobody will know about the brokenness of our heart. And that's why I say that many times we, we are settling for a bypass when we need a transplant. And you cannot live life the way God wants you to live unless you have a transplant. And you need to change some of your thinking. You need to change some of your believing. You need to change some of the things. And so, 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 so when he says this, and I want to go on to, really I want to <clears throat> Mention this scripture because you know we, we've we've talked about this scripture brokenness of heart and and we've talked about this scripture in in Proverbs four twenty three that we are to keep our heart with all diligence. But I want to read this because I, I just I have marked in my notes. I just want to make sure that I cover this because every person on the planet, every single one of us, at one point has been wounded by pain in our life, or we have experienced what I would call brokenness of heart. Our believing is producing a feeling on the inside that we respond to. And because of that, there are many wounds that you've not allowed to heal. You still are suffering with these things. And they're still dominating your heart. And, and like Pastor Tim mentioned a couple of weeks ago, they're like, the, they're, they're, they're like autopilot. We respond. Our, the course of our life is just determined, and we're responding to it. And we don't even know that it's operating, that our beliefs are actually operating in this way. And so living in pain, because we're all going to experience pain. I hate to tell you that this morning. But you all know it's true, don't you? There, there's going to be painful moments in your life. Somebody's going to reject you. Somebody's going to be, betray you. Unless you are a hermit and live alone and, you know, don't ever, you know, ever come out in the sunshine. Somebody's going to say something that you don't like. And there won't be a safe place for you to hide in other than God. And there's a big difference between experiencing pain from a whole heart than there is experiencing pain from a broken heart. 
there are a lot of people who've had tough things happen to them, and because their believing is broken, they think that God's doing it to them. I've heard people say, well, God's judging me. I did this wrong, and so God's making my life a living hell. No, that's not who God is. You might be suffering the effects of a wrong decision. Amen? But it's not because God's ticked off at you. It's not because God's mad at you. God loves you. God's made a, in the midst of your problem, the Bible says God makes a way of escape for you. And so because our believing is broken, our heart is broken, we are responding the wrong way. And so again, there's a big difference between living in pain and brokenness from a healthy heart or a whole heart than there is living then there is responding to that pain from a place of brokenness. And what I want to encourage you in this morning is to let Jesus be the healer. Let Jesus be the one that binds up the broken heart. Let him be the one that heals your broken heart. And so again, that's why he says in the book of Proverbs, that's why the Solomon wrote this, guard your heart, be vigilant about your heart. But let me ask you a question. How do I guard my heart? For me, when I, I think of this, I, I, it's like a walled city. It's like a, it's like a fortress. And how do you guard a fortress? You guard a fortress by guarding the gates, by guarding the points of entry, right? And there are three points of entry to your heart. There's three points of entry into your heart. The three points of entry into your heart are the things that you see, the things you hear, and the things you say. What you say, what you hear, and what you see, what you allow into your eyes, or what you look at, what you hear, what you say, are all things that have the ability to transform positively or negatively your heart. What you hear, what you see, and what you say. I've used this illustration. Let me use it again. I'm the type of person, if somebody tells me that I can't do something, I set out to prove them wrong. Anybody like that? I mean, that's just fighting words. You can't do that. Well, let me try. I may prove you right, but I hope to prove you wrong. But how many of you know that if I would say the words, I can't do that. How many of you know, I'll believe what I say 100% of the time. I may not believe you, but I'll believe what I say. You see, your words create believing. What you say creates believing in your heart, and your words will set a governor. It will set a border or a boundary around your life. The words that you hear, I'm not proud of it, and again, but I I remember I said this a couple weeks ago, my dad said to me, you're an accident waiting for a place to happen. I don't know that he said that more than one time, but I do know this, that his words weighed a lot. And his words became a nail or nails in my heart that I lived up to. They set a boundary. Anytime anything happened, it was because I was an accident waiting for a place to happen. There was something wrong with me. There was a debilitating self-critic that sat rule on the throne of my heart. And because it was there, it decreed over my life, you're an accident. You're just a stupid person waiting for a place to have an accident. And I lived up to that. That's why we set a guard around our ears. The things that we see. We have to learn to discern and see correctly so that we can see with the eyes that God sees with. And so when when the writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart, right before that, he said this. Right before he said those words in Proverbs 4.20, he said, my son, give attention to my words. So when it comes to your heart, the words are important. My son, attend to the words of my, or give attention to my words, incline your ear, lean into what I'm saying, 
Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those that find them and they are health to all their flesh. The words that God speaks to you, and I will say this, the words in general that you hear or the things that you see, they have the ability to produce something in your heart. And that's the reason we need to set a guide, a guard over what I see or hear or what I say. Because they'll produce. They will produce. If you expose your ears, well, listen to what Jesus said, and I'll, I'll tell you what. This next part, Mark 4, 23 says, if any man has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is not talking about the little flaps on the side of your head when he says this. If you have ears to hear, if you have ears to discern, if you have ears to really hear, he's talking about spiritually or in your heart, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, take heed or be careful what you hear because with the measure that you meet, if you use a, if you use a, 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 you know, a, a three ounce measure, or if you use a gallon measure, the measure that you hear with, Jesus said, the measure that you meet, it will be measured to you, and to you that hear shall more be given. Hear the principle this morning. The attention that you give, the leaning into that you give to what you hear. Now, this morning, right now, right now, can you hear the words coming out of my mouth? All right, so, so right now, as you are hearing... There's a discipline involved in hearing, isn't there? It's a little bit warm in here maybe, and there's, you know, maybe somebody around you doing something, or there's something else that's happening, or you're thinking about, you know, somebody's tapping you, hey, where are we going for lunch today, or what do you want to do? We got the day off tomorrow. You're thinking about fishing. You're thinking about, probably nobody's thinking about the Twins game, but there's, there's things that, 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 are, that, that we're thinking about. And, and then sometimes then something happens, and it pulls you back to that, oh, that's right, there, I'm in church, got to listen again, kind of a thing. But how, and so it takes discipline to listen, doesn't it? And so if, if, if the discipline that you have, whether it's here or, or you know, you're studying or whatever, if it's a little three-ounce measure, that's how much you're going to get back. But if you can open up the gallon jug and discipline yourself to hear, you're going to get a gallon back. But this works in the negative, too. How many of you know that sometimes it's a lot easier to listen to negative stuff? Or when somebody starts to gossip about something, someone, it's like, it's like all of a sudden... You, you don't have the three-ounce cup anymore, man. You got like the, uh, it's like, well, tell me more. I mean, man, you just want. And then what did Jesus say? The measure that you meet, it will be measured to you, and more is going to be given to you. I've, I've been astounded at times when I've heard people say, man, that's all I, all I hear is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what are you talking about? I don't, I've never heard that. It's a principle at work. The more you give your ears to something, the more of it you are going to hear. The more that you give your ears to something that produces fear, the more fear you're going to get. The more that you give your ears to something negative, the more negativity that you're going to get. The more that you surround your people with the critics and with the, with the haters and all of those things, the more of that that's going to become a part of your life. Which is why Jesus said, be careful about what you hear. Don't just let everything into your ears. Don't just let everything into your life because eventually it is going to affect the nails, the border, and the boundary of your heart, which will affect your life. Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 6 said this, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever we allow into our heart, we allow the negativity, we allow the, the, the ugliness, we allow those things into our heart through what we see or through what we hear or through what we say. The more that we allow that into our heart, the more of it is going to come out of our heart. 
But notice what Jesus said, and this, this I think will be contrary to perhaps what you've thought or heard, but Jesus said a good person from the good treasure of his heart, the good deposit, what they have taken from a good sense to deposit with the, what they hear and what they see and what they say, they've made good deposits. The Bible says, the Bible, Jesus himself said that a good person from the good treasure of, uh, the good treasure of his heart is going to bring forth what? Good things. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say if you live a perfect life, then God's going to bring good things into your life. That's not what it says. And there are a lot of people who think that the better I am, the more God's going to bless me. That's not the case. Jesus said you have something to do about the output of your life. A good person from the good treasure of his heart is going to bring forth good things, but an evil person from the evil treasure of his heart is going to bring forth evil things. Now, I think that we think of this as like that evil person is the person that is, you know, I mean, far from God, and they're reprobate, and they're awful, and whatever, they're savage, whatever. But you know what? An evil person can simply be somebody who doesn't care about the condition of their heart. An evil person can be someone who doesn't believe the Bible, even though they believe in Jesus. And they think, well, you know, it really doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't really matter what I say. It doesn't really matter what I expose my ears, my eyes to. It really doesn't matter. It's really not that important because after all, it's just, you know, it's just a matter of the heart. Yeah, it is a matter of the heart. But if you don't put good stuff into your heart, good stuff's not going to come out in your life. But I think the important thing to understand is that while we say, you know, God blesses and there's people who think that, you know, God's trying to curse us and God's trying to do all He's not. We have far more to do with this than I think we're ready to admit to, recognize, or even embrace. We have a lot to do with this. Can I tell you this morning that the only boundaries, the only boundaries that your life will never be able to get, surpass are the ones that exist in your heart. There was a long time that I lived my life like an accident waiting for a place to happen. It wasn't until I'd made a decision, a conscious decision that you've heard me say, a conscious decision to say, God, you're smarter than I am and you know me better than I know myself. And so God, from now on to the best of my ability, I'm going to believe what you say about me rather than what I think about me. What did I do? I took a debilitating self-critic that sounded like my dad saying, you're an accident waiting for a place to happen. I dethroned him from, and I see he still tries to get up on there. He still tries to remind me. He still tries to tell me it's a constant battle. You know, just like other areas of my life or your life, there's a battle that's there. But I made a decision, a conscious decision to not listen to that voice anymore, but instead to listen to the voice of the Spirit Spirit of God and the Word of God that said, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the righteous judge said, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. And I let those words begin to reshape and redefine the boundaries of my heart. And my believing was changed. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen right away. But, but my believing began to change. And I began to act like who God said I was rather than who I thought I was. I'll tell you right now, that's a way better way of living. As a church, as a church, Joy Christian Center, we want you to know, you, you've heard us say this, we want you to know God. We want you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. We want you to find, find Jesus as the Savior of your life. We want that for you. That's why we do Sunday morning services and the stuff that we do. We're trying to attract and get people in here because we want them to hear the life-changing message of the gospel. But can I tell you, we're not satisfied just because that happens. Because we want you to experience freedom in your life. 
And that freedom happens when you begin to redefine the borders and boundaries of your heart and of your life. That freedom happens when I know the truth that sets me free. And, and, and one of the best places you're going to know that truth, not necessarily on a Sunday morning, it's in small groups. It's when you're with other people. And if you want to live your life like a hermit, I just can't express to you enough how important it is to iron sharpens iron. Get around other Christians. Get around people that are going to encourage you. Get around people who are going to remind you of who you are instead of try to drag you back into who you used to be. Unless you change some of those things, your life is never going to change. And so, <clears throat> so the borders, the boundaries of our heart, it's, it's, uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 23, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is, your life is determined by the borders and the boundaries right here. And you'll never escape them until you change some of those nails, some of those areas that you believe. Never change. Never, never change. So, what do we do about this? Jesus mentioned this earlier. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Not just people who suffered difficult things, injustices, those, that's, that's a part of it. But he said, I've come to heal people that have a broken heart. In the book of Psalms, chapter 89, it says this. Or say, uh, Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart. Everybody say undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I think this, that an undivided heart is, is one that thinks, that what it thinks, what it sees, and what it hears is, is determined and directed and influenced by the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. An undivided heart. A divided heart is one that is vacillating back and forth between what we think and what my experience has said and what my life has lived up to and what God said. There's a, there's a constant struggle back and forth. And so the psalmist is saying, created me an undivided heart. An undivided heart. It's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. God, I want what I think and what I say and what I feel. I want that to be united. I don't want to be back and forth. I don't want to be involved in this tug of war. Because then I can know your faithfulness and experience your goodness and how good that you are. The book of Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19 says, I'll give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh. God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make it available for you to have an undivided heart. And I'm going to take out that stony heart that is resistant, that is hard, and I'm going to put something soft on the inside of you that responds to my spirit. And so I, I wrote these things down. Wholehearted living or a whole heart, a whole heart is one that overflows with love. It beats with freedom. A whole heart is one that lives without shame and fear. It is a heart that will never leave peace. A whole heart overcomes adversity with confidence and always returns to joy. A whole heart is one that is free from the past, enjoying the present and hopes for the future. A whole heart is one that connects intimately with God and hears and sees God clearly. And so I'm going to ask you to do something this morning, and we're finishing up here, but if you would just please take a moment to just kind of bow your head, close your eyes for a second. I want you to use your imagination. 
And I want to help you to start this process. How do we, how do we get free from that self-critic? How do we begin this process of, of exploring and examining my heart to see where I'm misbelieving? I mentioned earlier that every single person has experienced pain at some point in your life. And you might think this morning that the pain of your parents' divorce hasn't affected you. You might think that the rejection or the abandonment that you experienced hasn't affected you. You might have thought that what you, you may be trying to live like what people have said about you didn't bother you. But deep down, you know that's not true. Deep down, you know that there's still some things resident in your heart because of events that have happened, events that you were powerless to control. Others of you, man, you failed. You missed it. You stepped out willfully in something you knew was wrong and you shouldn't have done. And there's still guilt there. There's still shame there. The very first step is to acknowledge the brokenness of your heart. It'd be like if somebody stabbed you with a knife and you're trying to walk around saying, no, knife's not there. There's no puncture. There's no blood. Nope, nothing bad happened. It's there. And the very first thing you need to do is acknowledge that brokenness and that pain in your life. Because that pain and that brokenness is not going to go away by itself. And that's why you need to acknowledge the healer. Rather than pretending, rather than faking it, you need to say, Jesus, I am so in pain here. My heart really is broken. And Lord, until this series, I didn't even know that it was there, but I ask you, Father, I thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know what the best thing about being a Christian? One of the best things? is that God, the creator of this universe, and his son, Jesus Christ, have made their home in you. And they live in you, not with the idea that they're coming and going, but they've made their home in you. They think enough of you. They love you enough that they've moved in. And, and, and guess what? You've got the greatest, greatest healing team on the inside of you right now. You don't need to be ashamed. and You don't need to be embarrassed. You don't need to be afraid. You just need to say, Jesus... Man, I need help here. And then you begin the process. So you acknowledge the pain. You acknowledge the healer. And then you let him work. With any pain, we want to keep people away from it. And we want to build things that help our security. With some of you, some of us, we become control freaks trying to make sure that we can control conversations, control relationships, control things because we don't want to experience that pain anymore. We want to make sure that nobody can hurt us. We want to make sure to take care of everything so that nothing can happen. But you can't live that way. That's restrictive. It'll bring you into captivity and into bondage. And so <laughs> it just wears you out. And so as you acknowledge the pain and the healer, just begin with these words, Jesus, I don't know why I'm angry. I don't know why I fly off the handle. I don't know why I feel or respond the way that I do, but you do. And I ask you to bring healing into my life. I believe that whatever we expose to the light will die. And so, Jesus, I need your help. I do want to be free. I don't want the pain. I don't want the, the thoughts that I've had to be the borders that define my life. Because I know that, that you've created me for good things. You've created me to give you glory. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that right now in the hearts and lives of these men and women that you're doing work. I thank you that you're making adjustments. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're bringing light to them. 
And Lord, we thank you that when that light hits them, those pains from the past begin to be healed up. I thank you that the words that have been decreed, whether in their heart or by other people, I thank you that there's a new word being decreed, that they're children of God, that they are beautiful and that they are lovely and that they are worthy. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that they have been declared by you to be righteous. They've got right standing with you. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've said there's nothing impossible to them. I thank you that you've said they're more than conquerors. I thank you that you've said, Father God, that they will inherit the land and live in your blessing. I thank you that you're the one who has said that you will turn their mourning into dancing, that you will turn their fear and their anxieties into peace. I thank you, Father, that you will give them the joy of the Lord for their mourning. And, Father God, that you will bring dancing to their heart and to their life. I thank you that you will bring freedom. I thank you that you rejoice over them with great joy, that your loving kindness will be upon them, that your mercies will follow them, that your goodness will go before them. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the borders and the boundaries of their life, that, Father, as the Apostle Paul said, Lord, that that you would expand our heart, that you would grow our heart, that our hearts would be enlarged, that, Father, nothing would be impossible because you're for us and you're not against us. Oh, Father, we worship and give you praise this morning. We give you honor this morning, Father God. And, Lord, we, uh, again, establish God as the righteous judge of our heart and of our life, and we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, Amen. Whew. That was a heartful. Hallelujah.